Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. This is Enid Talk Radio Show. Each month, we dedicate 30 minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. This month, we have two special guests from ATN, Attention and Trauma Network, Ms. Julie Beam, uh, who is the Executive Director, and Dr. Melissa Sandlin, Sadlin. Uh, who is the director of Creating Trauma-Sensitive Schools Program. So welcome to both of you. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great. Um, So to our faithful uh, listeners, welcome back, and thank you for being part of our family of over 5,000 listeners every month. And to our new listeners, we're glad you've joined us. So I'm excited to jump right in um, with both of you, Julie and Melissa. Tell me a little bit first about ATN, Attention and Trauma Network. Tell me uh, a little bit about who are your members and what you do exactly. Sure, I'd be happy to. Um, I'm Julie Beam, the Executive Director, and uh, the Attachment and Trauma Network was formed actually as a parent support and education organization 25 years ago in the Midwest in Kansas City around children who had um, come from hard places, um, mostly adoptive and foster children whose um, parents um, were were searching for answers that in those days we didn't even know were trauma-related. 25 years ago, our knowledge of trauma and brain science was so small compared to what it is now. But they did have diagnoses often of um, behavior disorders or um, reactive attachment disorder or things along those lines. And as those parents began to to, um, to circle the wagons and support each other and then go looking for resources, they, um, they, they had speakers and, and started holding workshops and got the attention of other families far and wide. And when I um, discovered that organization for my own family's needs in 1999, um, the organization was really taking off online. Um, so we we do provide our we have a whole parent program that still provides that kind of support and is really burgeoning in trauma informed therapeutic parent parenting that has attachment focus and is really all about building resiliency. But about four years ago, um, some of our very talented um, parents who were also educators. Um, added a second very valuable program, and that is the Trauma-Informed Schools Program, because they were coming to us not only as people who were living in situations where their children had been impacted by trauma, but were working in educational settings where they understood the importance of trauma-informing schools. Excellent. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Uh, You know, if you don't mind, I'd love to hear and I'm sure a lot of the listeners would like to hear more about trauma and what you mean by trauma. Um, You know, we've been uh, uh, doing a lot of work with um, our uh, principal preparation candidates to help them understand um, ACEs and 
what um, what happens um, with, with the brain when students come from difficult backgrounds. But a lot of times when people hear trauma, um, a lot of the, what, at least from my experience, the layperson thinks about that um, in terms of physical trauma to the brain or to kind of the physical sense of, of the, the individual. So tell us a little bit about the, the, the work that you're doing and what trauma really means from your perspective. Sure. Um, we, we generally use the definition that Dr. Bruce Perry uh, uses for trauma, which is a, a psychological event or situation where a person, and in our case a child, feels um, helpless, fear, and terror. So that helplessness piece really really comes in to define. It's a different kind of trauma than, than a physical trauma, although physical traumas can be traumatizing. Um, but it's really around the, the concept of you're in a, in a situation or something is happening to you or around you that causes you to feel an intense fear, a terror, and helplessness like you cannot do anything about it. And, um, and that those, those feelings are, are, the, are the root importance to defining that trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I see where there, you do professional development around these. Tell us a little bit about what you do with those and what, are the, what, what do people learn. And, and I guess, you know, in, in keeping with what the show is about is why we need this, uh, tell us a little bit about the mechanism by which this, this matters in schools. Like what is the bottom line for why we, we need to pay attention to this now? I think this is a good place for Melissa to hop in. Yes. Hi. Yes. Um, So one of the things that um, our training um, provides educators, school board members, teachers, is a a foundation in exactly what Julie just described, but also the impact um, of those traumas on the child's ability to attach, which I think sets us apart in the sense that I believe that that is the key to school programming. Teachers are relationship builders, and we all know pedagogy has said for quite a while in education that a child needs to feel secure and confident in order to take the risk. One of the things that we do in addition to grounding our participants in the research, Bruce Perry's work and Bessel van der Kolk's work, is also John Bowlby's work on attachment. And then we explain how if the brain develops in a world of trauma, that the parts of the brain needed for executive function, short-term memory, long-term memory, emotional regulation, those things are all impacted by the trauma, and we see that in them, in their learning styles, and in the behaviors that they demonstrate in the school. And we go mm-hmm. through explaining how to recognize those things. Mm-hmm. And do you see that um, there are um, districts? How How are teachers and, and um, school administrators responding to you saying that, you know, we, we have um, another group of students and another kind of mechanism that we need to consider when we are planning uh, educational programming and planning uh, for success in our students. How are they responding to, um, to, to that information? 
as a, an administrator and a board member myself, I can tell you, thank you for the question, because their first instinct is, oh, no, one more thing. And I'm so sensitive to that and protecting my teachers from that, oh, no, one more thing. One of the things that makes the trauma-informed schools movement so unique in all of the movements that we have had in education over the last 50 years is that creating a trauma-informed school will improve the outcome for children who do not have trauma. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that trauma-informed schools is excellent teaching for all children. And we are seeing in the schools that we work in improved academic outcomes for the non-traumatized children um, in great leaps and bounds. So this isn't one more thing. If you create an entire school that is trauma-informed, it's for all of the children and all of the adults in the building, and you will have better school outcomes for all of them uh, as a result of becoming trauma-informed. Sure, sure. And and as I said, I don't want to, you know, make the assumption that everyone is on the same page with, you know, what we're talking about when we say trauma. Um, and and so I know, Melissa, you've worked as a consultant, uh, education consultant, and a developmental trauma expert. Um, you want to take just a moment to um, make just a an, give an overview about um, ACEs that I um, I mentioned earlier, the um, adverse childhood experiences. Um, theory and research that's out there. You want to take just a moment to explain that, and maybe that'll be another good connection for our, um, for our listeners uh, to understand um, trauma. So it looks like we may have lost Melissa briefly. Um, Julie, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Is that, Melissa, are you there? Yeah, um, it, it looks like we lost I'm, her. Um, hopefully, she'll she'll dial back in in a moment. Um, okay. Um, but I'll shift. We'll wait on that on her to come back. I I'd like for you while we're waiting um, uh, on Melissa. It looks like she's back. Uh, let me mm-hmm. bring her into conversation, Melissa. Yes, you were talking yes. about uh, adverse childhood experiences and what they are and how I yes. build them into school. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Um, Adverse childhood experiences, the reason we talk about that, it is synonymous with developmental trauma conversations in that um, adverse childhood experiences comes from the title of the study done by doctors Anda and Paletti and their team. And it was a study originally done in 1997 where they surveyed 17,000 college students and asked them 10 questions, and they were yes-no questions. And when the children said yes, they counted that as an eight, thereby making that the quantitative jargon around eights. And then their continued study brought forth the research demonstrating that children who have more than three eights will develop certain perceived health outcomes as a result of um, what we call toxic stress. So having these adverse childhood experiences or, as Julie described, you know, fear and inability to have control over your environment or your survival um, actually impacts your health. So the ACEs study, because doctors and employees are in the medical field, was really about the crossover 
between childhood experiences and adult health outcomes. And, of course, they were the ones who showed us how much more prevalent adverse childhood experiences are than we thought. Originally, we thought, you know, in a school it was about 25% of our kids. And if you use Anda and Paletti's research, you're looking at almost half in any school any day. And so what I help the teachers understand is ACEs helps us because so often in education we scrabble for hard quantitative data to describe children, their learnings, their experiences. And ACEs gives us that. So in the schools where we work, we sometimes use ACEs one-on-one with um, an older child. We use ACEs as an opportunity to have parent and community nights because it's really a national health epidemic is what Ann and Paletti have shown us. But the impact on learning crosses over and is synonymous with the understanding of developmental trauma. Right, and I think that at this point it might be important for us to clarify what we mean by developmental trauma, and that is that the prevailing research is showing us in several fields that children whose brains are impacted by chronic toxic stress actually have a developmental impact that that covers a variety of domains. It covers the way in which that they would learn. It covers the way in which that they develop emotionally and psychologically and as and even physically, as the ACEs um, research will show. Yes, thank you. And I've, I've uh, been reading and, and seen quite a few presentations on it. And as I said, we, we also have individuals who have been experts in trauma-informed practice and leadership present to our students. I think it's very important. And the feedback that we've also received is that, um, just as you said in the beginning, is that uh, these practices have, have proven to be very effective and useful for general population of students um, uh, in, involved in schools. Um, I, you know, I, I know that you you had a big conference recently, um, uh, and you know we've been talking a lot about trauma. Um, let's shift a little bit, and um, because I'm, I am going to come back to it about your your program, but um, can you say a little bit about the work you do around the attachment portion? What what does that mean exactly? Well, we um, we actually equate. The, I'm sorry, Melissa, to step on you. <laughs> but we we actually equate attachment with um, with the way in which you you build resilience. From a parenting standpoint, obviously, we teach um, teach parents the importance of of um, replacing or working on healthier attachments with children who've been traumatized and perhaps didn't get that from their original caregivers. Um, in schools, it it you know, Melissa can probably address, you know, what what teachers and educators can do to, you know, to help that from a relational standpoint. Teachers sometimes get a little nervous when you say, you know, they, that they can be an attachment figure for children. But when we explain that attachment really, as Julie just said, is relationship, and then we have a framework that we use at the Attachment Trauma Network and it's feel safe, be connected, get regulated, and learn. And the idea is 
when children feel safe, you reduce the amount of toxic stress that their body is demonstrating as a result of their adverse experiences. And then you make connections with them, either as a teacher, in a club, in a multi-age grouping situation. There are lots of opportunities in our schools for connection. And then get regulated is teaching the children about their brains, all children. Again, this is a good thing for us all to understand when they become dysregulated, things that they can do to regulate themselves. Um, and then, of course, they are ready for learning. And in the average classroom, these things are happening all at once and all different stages with all of the children. But when you create classrooms that are predictable, um, teachers that understand um, the impact of trauma on the children's behavior, separating it from being a personal attack, it does, in fact, improve um, children who have exposure to trauma. It improves their ability to trust the teacher and to then, you know, complete the work that's being required of them. Yes, and um, and and I think uh, the one of the important things that when we're when we're talking about this is really um, a shift in how we view the children in the classroom in terms of their behaviors um, and and what a behavior means. And so uh, we do spend a lot of time when we're working with with um, teachers to to um, impart to them. Um, the uh, ability to look underneath the behavior, the ability to um, to look at at why the child is behaving in a certain way and what their what their trauma history or their background or you know what could possibly be underneath the behavior instead of um, trying to you know insist upon compliance or you know or do something that may actually you know. Uh, I don't know what the word would be, stir up or or um, um, more greatly impact them. Yeah, and Julie, that? that's a really good point. That's a really good point that you're making because what, when we work in schools with this understanding, it's a real paradigm shift. And what we ask teachers to do is approach children from the place of, hey, what happened to you? what's in your way, <laughs> as opposed to stop doing that, how many times do I have to tell you, this is the rule in the school and you've just broken it. There are places, certainly rules in schools are required to keep us all safe. And children do need to know what your expectations are. But by saying, hey, what's going on, you know, you're not able to get your homework done. So what's in your way? You're going to find that mm -hmm. children actually respond to you and give you answers for those things that then remove the thing that's in their way. I also caution, because we are schools, that if they share things that are in their way that might be happening in their home life, that then we have wraparound services and counselors that can assist the teacher. I don't ask teachers to become counselors. They need to teach their content. But looking at the children and using the language, what's happened to you instead of what's wrong with you, really has been effective. The other simple change that I encourage all educators to make is to see children and, quite frankly, their colleagues in a position of can't versus won't. If a child yes. could do whatever it is you're asking them to do, they would do it. Every child would do what you needed. The children who aren't doing it, it's because they can't. 
And the, the reason the can't could be unique to every single child. And for the administrators out there, for teachers. If the teacher's not mm-hmm. giving you what you need, there may be something in their way that actually could be traced back to their own adverse childhood experiences, which is why, going back to what we were saying in the beginning, you'll have to give the ACES survey to the adults in your building. If the school leaders are listening and the board members. Having the adults understand their own exposure really opens up this paradigm shift for them in a way that nothing in my experience as an educator has ever done for teachers. Yes, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, sorry, we're having just a wee bit of technical difficulty today. Not sure what happened, um, but thanks for adding that. And um, and there was one other, uh, actually, I think your your point about um, what people hear, um, what uh, I guess the different groups. I mean, you mentioned school boards um, and others. Um, as I started with um, with Julie, you earlier I was going to ask you the question about what happens at your conference um, and what what people are uh, if the if it's a training conference or is it a conference where you find parents and other uh, advocates for trauma informed schools there as well. It's a um, it's a conference that is focused exclusively on creating trauma sensitive schools. So um, so our from from ATN standpoint, our parenting program has a very minor role in that. Mm-hmm. Um, we we're really the the conference is really honed in on trying to pre- present the best and the and the brightest for for creating trauma informed um, school systems. And at all levels, from the school board level, clear down to the classroom teacher um, uh, training level, um, and and it is, um, and we consider it a big conference at this point. We um, we it was our second year in February, and we had 1,200 um, attendees, um, all of them administrators or teachers at school systems far and wide, clear across the United States. I, I think almost every state was represented, as well as five. Um, um, other countries that that sent representatives as well, and it was um, it was an, an incredible opportunity to learn from others who are you know are making a difference in their own school systems and their own classroom settings, as well as um, as professionals on our team and professionals um, around the world who are are um, innovators in this work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent, and um, I know that you have a, a program itself um, that I would really like to hear, and I'm sure members of the audience would like to hear about, um, that is is uh, entitled Creating Trauma-Sensitive Schools. What what exactly is it? A, I know it's a program, but what does that look like exactly in case we may have people out there that are interested in, in the program itself? We do. Sure. Um, we offer professional development. Um, the members of our team are experts in our field, and at this point, our team consists of early childhood experts, um, administrators, uh, special education, um, and at all levels, from preschool all the way. We have experience not only ourselves teaching and administrating in middle schools and high schools. Uh, many of us uh, have raised highly traumatized children, which makes us uniquely. Um, understand the information in a real deep way, but filtering it through the needs of the teachers. So we offer a half-day 
one-day and two-day and three-day trainings. We have a, an interesting program called the Train the Trainer program. So um, we recommend two full days of training, and you can put as many people in the room as you can um, get for that two days. And that is a deep look at the, the trauma, the ACEs study, the neurobiology of learning and behavior, and then the strategies that can be employed school-wide and classroom-wide to create trauma-informed schools. The third day is for a team or teams identified by the administrator to become leaders in this work, to become mm. a compassionate care team, if you will. Mm. And we mm. teach them. Um, we have a, a concept map that we use. We create um, a vision, both a five-year and a three-year, and what are we going to do tomorrow. So it's real um, team building and goal setting in the manner that any school district would use the SMART goals that are achievable and time-bound, but then we leave there and you have a cadre of folks to carry on this work. And then we offer mm -hmm. ongoing consultation that can be, you know, in place or online just to check in with the team and see what they need to continue their good work. We sure. understand as educators that building capacity is the best way for true school change. Mm -hmm. You have to build your own experts in the school. And so sure. our train-the-trainer program is, is geared to that inevitability. Wow, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Um, you know, I, as I mentioned earlier, have been just just fascinated by a lot of the work that is out there with um, trauma-informed schools and, and just making uh, professionals, educators, aware of, of the need to focus on um, how some of these mechanisms happen in brain development. Not something that I can say that we paid a lot of attention to um, just even 10 years ago, um, and I think there's more attention. So my um, congratulations to you being in the work for so long and staying with it in this very, very important topic. Um, we, we've had um, a number of presenters um, at the university where I work, um, but that most importantly, what we've been trying to do is just get the word um, out um, that we need more people to have this, have um, not just a, an acute awareness of, of trauma um, in schools and, and that uh, students that there are students that are not being well served um, and could be better served through um, more informed practitioners. And so um, I'm glad that uh, the two of you uh, agreed to come on the show today. It is uh, much too short to have you mm -hmm. here, but we're, we're glad that you were here. And hopefully someone who was listening today will go and, um, and, and look at your website. I was really impressed by um, the work that you've, that you've done um, in taking this, uh, taking this to parents and, and other educators. And so we really appreciate you for being with us this month. Um, and so um, I, I am delighted to uh, share. We'll, we'll put on the website um, your, your um, website address so that people who want more information would be able to, um, to join you. So um, what I'd like to do is, if, do, you, do you have any uh, final comments that you'd like to share or even share um, here your website address uh, for people to, uh, to, uh, to hear and visit? 
Sure. Dr. Perkins, we're, we're both very pleased that we were able to join today and excited to, um, to share what we know um, schools across this country really need um, is how to be trauma-informed. You can find out more about the things that we talked about at our, our school-specific website, which is creatingtraumasensitiveschools.org. I know that's a mouthful, but it's creatingtraumasensitiveschools.org. And, um, and mark on your calendar for next February, the, the 16th through um, 19th in um, Atlanta, Georgia, which will be our third annual conference. Excellent. Thank you so much. And so to our listeners um, who joined in, um, please join us next month um, on April 10th, and we'll have another great show. Until next time. Go well, stay well.